Good morning. All right. Well, I have heard that today is National Ice Cream Day. Did anybody else know that? No. Today is National Ice Cream Day? No? Well, now you know. Uh, apparently, it was on the radio this week, and I happened to catch it. Um, so if you don't have a plan yet, you can plan on getting some ice cream today. Everybody will be doing it. But I was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, how can I tie National Ice Cream Day into my sermon today? Because, you know, that's, I guess, you know, that's the thing that pastors try to do. But, uh, um, but I, I thought, you know, this could be far off, or it could be right on. And, of course, so I Googled how, what my favorite ice cream says about my personality. <laughs> And yes, it is out there. And in fact, there's so many different articles about it, it's a little scary. But, uh, but I happened to find one that was published in the Reader's Digest a few years ago. And so it's kind of funny, but Baskin Robbins did a survey about five years ago, and along with this uh, doctor, and his name is Dr. Alan Hirsch, and apparently he's a smell and taste expert. And to identify what's your favorite ice cream says about you. So here we go. Here's the top 10 favorite ice creams and what they say about you. If you like vanilla, you are more likely to be impulsive, easily suggestible, and an idealist. That's my dad, by the way. He likes <laughs> vanilla. Um, if you like chocolate, you're more likely to be dramatic, lively, charming, flirtatious, seductive, and gullible. Uh, very, very strawberry. You're more likely to be tolerant, devoted, and an introvert. If you like mint chip, chocolate chip, you're more likely to be argumentative, frugal, and cautious. Is that you? <laughs> she looked at you. <laughs> That's her. <laughs> if you like chocolate chip cookie dough, you're more likely to be ambitious, competitive, and a visionary. Uh, if you like pralings and cream, this was an interesting one. You're more likely to be loving, supportive, and prefer to avoid the spotlight. Anybody pralines and cream? Yes, my mom. Is, that's right. Both. Um, coffee. If you like coffee ice cream, you're more likely to be scrupulous, conscientious, and a moral perfectionist. Uh, chocolate chip. You're more likely to be a generous, competent, and a go-getter. Rainbow sherbet. This is no. Okay. You're more likely to be analytical, decisive, and pessimistic. And if you like Rocky Road, you're goal-oriented, successful, but sometimes aggressive, hurting the feelings of those around you. So <laughs> my favorite ice cream is Rocky Road. So I am praying this morning that my message is successful. But if for some reason I hurt your feelings because I get too aggressive, I apologize. <laughs> so, so here we go. This morning I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about us and how God sees us. Um, so myself, this is not what I like to do. Uh, Pastor Matthew can attest to this. I am an introvert. I do not like to be in crowds. Yes, I can talk your ear off, but that's one-on-one -on -one only. <laughs> um, I'm not really comfortable in large groups. Um, when I was young, 
probably about fifth grade, I had an assignment where I was supposed to write a paper. And, uh, and I wrote this, this country report. And so my teacher had this great idea that every person in the class was going to read their report to the class. And so I'm like, okay. You know, and I wasn't too afraid of being in front of people at the time, but I got up to read my paper, and I opened up my folder, and my teacher was like this, like, grammar expert. Like, she was all about the grammar and the spelling and, the, and everything. And so she had gone through my paper and marked the heck out of that paper. It was red. And I open it up, and I'm trying to read this to the class, and I'm going, oh, my. And I'm starting to shake. <laughs> And I'm starting to sweat, and I'm not doing very good. And I get to the end, and I'm like, that's it. I'm never doing that again, ever. I am not getting in front of people. I will not, you know, and, and, and that was me. And, and I don't know. I don't know why I experienced that. I don't know what happened. But, but I wasn't a fan of getting up in front of talking to people. Like I said, I could talk your ear off one-on-one. But getting in front of people, no thank you. Um, people wear me out. Like, I, I am an introvert. I get tired once I've been in a crowd for too long. Um, my wife can attest to this. I go home and take a nap after church on Sunday. <laughs> Not because it's the day of rest, because I am wiped out. Um, but that's okay. I, I, love being a, I love being in conversation with people. I love getting to know who people are, and that is a part of me. But my flesh is like, this is my identity. I am an introvert. I'm a quiet person. And I prefer not to be in a large crowd. About the time I was probably senior year going into college, I was really praying about the direction God would, was going to take me. And I start to feel like God was calling me to be a pastor someday. And I was like, wait a second, that, that doesn't make sense, Lord, because I'm an introvert. I don't talk in front of crowds. I don't like to be around, you know, I, I'm not the right guy for that job. That's, that's for sure. And I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and God was saying, no, I'm calling you to, to be a pastor someday. And so I, I keep processing this through my head. Okay, the pastor's the guy that stands up in front and gives the message to everybody. Well, that's not me. The pastor's the guy that has all those good things to say. Oh, and the pastor's the extrovert that's really good at being creative and, and throwing things out there. I'm like, that's definitely not me. I am the sound guy that sits in the back and adjusts the sound. That was me. That was what I was doing at the time. And I'm like, I am comfortable with being that guy. Um, but that was not the call that God had on my life, and, and that was not what he was calling me to do. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, God, this, this doesn't make sense. Why would you choose me? It's totally contrary to who I thought I was. Totally contrary. It doesn't make sense. But he was preparing me for what his plan was. And if I look back in my life, there was things that happened, experiences I had Pastor Matthew talks about how we've known each other for a long time. We've, we've, we're doing camp ministries together for many years. And through those camp ministries, I would have to be up front. And we would do silly skits for the kids. And sometimes we'd give testimonies. And, and, and I look back and I go, okay, there was some, some things God was doing there. And then 
it kind of went into, I started helping out with youth ministry. And whenever the pastor went on vacation, which wasn't very often, but every once in a while, I'd get to speak. And I'm like, okay. So I get up and, and talk to some high school kids. And by the way, for me, that's simple. This, not so much. But, <laughs> but talking to high school kids, yeah, for me, it was natural. So, so I get up and talk to the youth. And, and you know, that was cool. And, and then God started doing some other things. And it's, can I just say how awesome for me it is to be here this morning? Because years ago, when we were doing those camp ministries, Pastor Matthew, Chuck, and I would sit around and talk about how cool it would be if we all did a church together someday. <laughs> and, and here we are, you know, and, and, and it's, it's like a dream. But it's funny because God has a plan. And he has an idea of what he wants you to become. And when you embrace that, you move in a different direction away from, from who I thought I was. So, so here's a verse that I thought was interesting. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, um, verse 7 through 12, Paul says, So to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Therefore, or three, three, I'm sorry, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer from Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, my thorn is fear. <laughs> I, I am afraid of the unknown, of what it, you know, I am in panic of what it would be like to stand and look at everybody this morning. I'm actually thinking about that weeks ahead of time. I'm afraid of being judged. I'm afraid of saying something stupid. <laughs> I'm afraid of being in the spotlight. And I have this fear. But it says in Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. See, God gave, me, God gave me this verse when I was... When I was praying and, and focusing on him and, and trying to find direction for life. He gave me this verse that I call my life verse. It's in Joshua 1.9. It says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's a, a line right here I want to read off the paper and it's because I, I really feel like God gave me this as a word this morning. Um, and so let me read this to you. And this is something that I felt God gave me. God is teaching me that I can identify with my flesh and be the person the world beats me into, or I can identify with my spirit and be the man God molds me into, the man that he has called me by name to do his work. You see, in my flesh identity, I'm an introvert. 
I'm sitting in the back of the room. I don't want to be in front. I don't want to be in the spotlight. But that's exactly where God wanted me to be. Because I can only stand in front of you today because of his strength. Because of what he's doing. And because of that, I can honestly say, you know, it's not me. It's not my power that I'm here this morning. It's not my power that I even feel comfortable in this moment, which is very strange. <laughs> it's all about him. And I give glory to God this morning because it is about him. And so he does this with us. And, I, and it happens, if you read through the Old Testament and the characters of the Old Testament, it's all over the scripture where it talks about these men and women that in their flesh identity were just messed up. They had issues. They had a past that just didn't make sense. And God took them out of that past and he put them in a place where they were doing his work and they were following him and they were being blessed in that relationship with God because they, they no longer were being identified by who they were in the flesh, who they were in their carnal self, but they were being identified by who they were in God and how they were following God and listening to God. And they did great things. And one of the stories, obviously, for me in the Bible, and this might sound weird or maybe not, but one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Jacob. Okay, it's not me. I'm not in the Bible. But there is a guy named Jacob in the Bible. He is probably one of my favorite characters. In it. And, and I can identify with some of the process that he went through. Now, let me just tell you, I am not a twin I did not grab my twin's heel on the way out of the womb, as far as I know. Um, that did not happen. Um, and so that's, you know, and I am the firstborn in my house. So there are things about the story of Jacob that are a lot different than, um, than my story. However, there are things that are very similar. Um, let me tell you some, some things about Jacob that kind of stick out to me. And then I'll tell you about some of the similarities. Um, Jacob was called the deceiver. He was called the supplanter. He was a trickster and a thief. He tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright. He was a liar. He told his father that he was his brother, and he stole the blessing. And, and the blessing was important because there was the birthright, but the blessing was part of being the headship of the family and was going to be, his father was dying. Isaac was dying and Isaac was blessing his son to basically take over the family. And he blessed Jacob instead. And God had prophesied about this, but it was, when you read the story, it was kind of like forced. He was a coward. He ran away. Instead of facing up to what he had done and, and staying put and listening, you know, trying to figure it out with his brother, he ran away. And he was gone for 20 years. He lived away from his family. When he did that, God got a hold of him. And it was right at the beginning when he left home, he, he went to lay down and go to sleep one night. And this is what happened. This is in Genesis 28. I want to read a little passage starting in verse 10.
And it says this, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven and saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to your descendants. Your descendants will be numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Now, if you recognize this blessing from the Lord, this is the same blessing that was given to Abraham. This is the same blessing that was given to Isaac. And now Jacob is receiving the same blessing from the Lord. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be me, be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Just as a side note, I found it interesting that Jacob negotiated his own terms as to how he was going to work this out. Okay, God, so if you do all these things for me, then you are my God for sure, Um, which I I found is interesting. But so oftentimes I think we do that too. said, okay, God, so if things go this way, then we're good. But if they don't, well, you know, you know, what's going on? Are you even there? <laughs> but that's not how God works. However, as we read through the story of Jacob, we see that God does exactly this. God gives him a family. God gives him wealth. And when he comes back to his brother 20 years later, he has all of these things that he laid out in front of God. And God was his God. And he has, he's walking into, and we fast forward through the story a little bit, and I'm going to pick it back up in chapter 32, if you want to flip over there, um, verse 22. But now he's coming back, and he's spent, like I said, 20 years away from home, and he's coming back to his brother, and he's feeling that fear again, that fear of the flesh, that fear of the unknown, and he's not sure how his brother's going to receive him. In fact, he believes he's going to still be angry at him. 
And here he comes into this situation, and God meets him again to remind him of who he is. And it says this in verse 22, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Then Jacob, all alone in the camp, was all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him, for now on you will be, for now on you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob's name, name that place Peniel which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God's face, yet my life has been spared. This is what Jacob and I have in common. I like to wrestle with God. Um, and whether or not I win all the time, I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's true or not, but, but I do. I like to wrestle with God. I, I, a couple... A few weeks ago now, I guess it's been, um, if you were here, Pastor Matthew got up and he said, somebody has a word for us and this morning, and I'm standing in the back, and there was quite a few people here that, that morning, and, and, um, and he couldn't see me at the time, and I'm looking up kind of through the crowd at him, and I'm like, okay, God, and this is some of what my wrestling is, is said, okay, God, is that me? Okay, I have a word in my head, but is that really you? Because I don't know. I don't think it's really you. Because why would you want me to go stand up in front and tell everybody that word right now? I don't think that's right. So, and God's saying, go up front. Go tell the word. I'm all, but it's not me, right? It's not me. And so it's really awkward when your pastor looks at you and goes, Jacob, is that you? <laughs> and I'm like, man, just a recommendation. If, he, if pastor ever gets up here and says, I feel like someone has a word for me, don't play on your cell phone because yeah. he might call you out and say, is that you? Because that's exactly what I was doing. I'm like, what's that verse? What is that verse? Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, he's calling my name. Oh, great. <laughs> And it was in that moment, it, after sharing, that I was like, okay, God, I kind of felt like you wanted to say some more than what was being said. And again, it, and, and this is kind of a daily th thing for me, it's like, is this wrestling? Is that you, God? Are you talking to me? Is that? And he, he does. He talks to me. And this is how I know that God talks to me. He usually tells me things that are biblically based, but are very contrary to what I would think in my head. I'm like, no, that can't be you. No, that's not right. But it is. 
and he's calling me to follow him, and he's calling me to step out. I loved Pastor Chuck's message last week, you know, and talking about walking in the Spirit and how important it is for us to, to step out and to walk in the Spirit and to let God lead us, even though we might not feel like that's who we are, even though we have those fears of doing those things. God has a plan, and he is leading us in a direction, and he's giving us the strength. And how do we know that it's God? Because he's giving us the strength to do it. The name Israel, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. I don't know if you know this, but the name Israel in Hebrew means may God prevail, which I think is so neat because here was a man whose beginnings wasn't great. He wasn't set out to be a godly person necessarily by world standards. He had cheated his way to the top, and now God has blessed him. God has turned his life around, and yet he's walking into the situation, and he's full of fear, and he doesn't know, and he's not focused on the fact that God has given him this promise, and God has blessed him, and all these other things and maybe I'm striking a nerve with some of you because I know this happens to me where it's like, okay, God has blessed me. God has done these things. God has led me in this direction. And why am I so afraid that the next thing isn't going to fall in line with everything else the way God has been doing it? Because, you know, for it, so example for, for me is God has blessed me in my finances in the past. And I'm struggling in my finances right now. And so why don't I trust that God is going to do the same thing he did last time? I don't know, because I'm, because I'm a man and I have my flesh. And sometimes it gets in the way of trusting that God is still going to take care of me in the next situation and in the next situation. And God does that. If we would trust him, God will take us and he'll continue to provide for us and he'll continue to sustain us and he'll continue to bless us. We just have to trust that that's what he's going to do. So the name of Israel means God will prevail. May God prevail. And so I think that's so neat because Jacob walked into his homeland and his brother embraced him, and his brother forgave him, and there was, there, God prevailed in that situation. There was restoration. There was peace. And Jacob's family became great. He had 12 sons. The 12 sons became the 12 nations, and we know them as the Jewish people today. And he was the father to that. And God made him, his history, change and become something completely different than where he had begun. I wrote here, God blessed Jacob not with a perfect life, because it wasn't perfect. 
But in spite of his imperfection, God made him great. God did everything that Jacob asked him to do and more. And God does the same for us. Let me read to you a few things here. And there's lots of them in the scripture that I didn't put down that I could have. But let me read to you a few things about who the Bible says we are in Christ. What is our Christ identity? You might want to write down some of these references. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I'm going to just fly through these. We are created in the image of God, Genesis 1.27. We are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. God knew us before we were born, Jeremiah 1.5. God has plans to prosper us with a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29.11. We were chosen by God. We are royalty, 1 Peter 2.9. Christ lives in us, Galatians 2.20. We are a member of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12.27. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Isaiah 43.1 says this, But now thus the Lord who has created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Family, we belong to Christ. When you accept Christ into your life, you are a new creation. He has made you new. What does that mean? Does that mean that I don't struggle with some of the things I struggle with? No. Does that mean I still don't have my flesh that I have to deal with? No. What it means is I have a new identity that I can now embrace that is going to change who I am. That's going to make me something new. And it's not going to be in my own strength. It's not going to be in my own power. It's going to be in the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to give me that strength to be that new person. And if I embrace what he has for me, then things are going to be new. Things are going to be different. God has called us by name. He has given us a path And when we embrace the identity that he has given us, we will find joy, peace, prosperity, hope, blessing. 